everyone wants to see founders succeed, don't they? Yeah. You know, these yeah. are the these are the people who are creating the the jobs and the wealth of the future. And I think it's in all of our interests that they succeed. So people really like it. People really like our mission around female founders because clearly something's going on in the wider investor environment attracting so little money. This is Female Business Angel Podcast. Your go-to destination if you're a business angel or would like to get into angel investing and don't know where to start. Or if you just want to find out how we tick. We're Tina and Katya, both business angels from Berlin. Well, I'm a VC now. We will interview established female business angels about how they got started and how it is going, including all the best tips and tricks. So get ready for some insider stories and personal empowering moments and revelations with these incredible women. Welcome to this journey with us. My name is Tina, and today I will be speaking to Sarah Turner. Sarah is the founder of Angel Academy and thereby one of the absolute pioneers when it comes to supporting female business angels and female founders. She'll be talking about true DD, collaboration in DD, and how much everything has changed over the last eight years since she's been active. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining us, and the stage is yours. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Um, So I am Sarah Turner. I'm the co-founder and CEO of an angel network called Angel Academy. We've been going since 2014, so quite well established. Um, And uh, we are investing in female founders, but also, crucially, mobilizing more women as angel investors. So the majority, not all, but the majority of our membership are female. since 2014, we've we've backed 45 different businesses, many of them through multiple funding rounds. Um, all but one are in technology or have some sort of scientific IP at the heart of what they do. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, how how it works when you invest together? So, do you pool people? Do you make introductions? Is there like a membership fee? Tell us a little bit about your model. Yeah, so we do have a membership fee. Um, What I decided when we started, actually the low intervention model where you just have events and you expect people to network and invest, it it didn't happen. People didn't. People got excited. They came to the event, but no follow-up happened. And, um, you know, over kind of doing lots of experiments, I realized actually you need a little bit more of an interventionist approach, you need somebody organizing the meetings, somebody doing the follow-up. And also, if you wanted to attract more women as angel investors, we had to provide some education and mentoring. Um, So I was meeting these, you know, super experienced women, really well qualified, very confident in their own domains. But when I was talking to them about angel investing, they were, you know, "Mm, I'm not sure how to do that and stuff like that. But you know, by buddying them up with people who were experienced and um, getting a group of people together and building that relationship and trust people, trust between them, then eventually people would invest. They'd grow in confidence as investors and then they help nurture new 
new people coming into the network as well. So we've always been very collaborative, very transparent, um, trying to kind of bring new, new people with new skills and insights into this market. Because, you know, when I first started angel investing, investors felt very one dimensional. <laughs> um, and, you know, I just think there's a lot of female money, a lot of female mm. talent, expertise and insights that, that could help make better investment decisions and then better support those entrepreneurs after you've made the investment. So the angels in your network, are they mainly from the startup scene? So in Berlin, what we see, there's lots and lots of women from the startup scene. They kind of know what's going on and they're very confident about how deals work and so on. But it sounds like your network is more industry uh, women, possibly. Yeah, I mean, there are very few um, there are very few women working in startups in 2014. And um, I mean, I, I, I knew a few and they became the core part of my network. I was very lucky. I knew some women who were already pioneers as angel investors, and they were happy to contribute their skills and time. And, you know, really what I wanted was the group to be as diverse as possible. So one of the things I think that puts a lot of women off is this messaging that you need to have been an entrepreneur yourself. The male angel networks I went to weren't just entrepreneurs. They ignored this message. So, you know, we have got lots of entrepreneurs, lots of exited entrepreneurs in our network. Um, people are still working in scale-up companies, so they've got a little bit of capital invest. But yeah, lots of people who came from more traditional work environments, so finance, big tech, corporates, um, business, you know, everyone's got this kind of wealth of professional experience. They've got something to contribute. We've got lawyers, we've got accountants, we've got, you name it, marketeers. Um, yeah, cool. And can you maybe tell us a little bit more about your background? So um, how did you come into angel investment, especially in 2014, when it was still kind of uncharted territory? I mean, not really, but more uncharted than today. Yeah, no, no, it definitely was. It was quite a small, um, and actually when I first started kind of talking to investors was even, you know, before then. So I was around with the first dot-com boom and bust. So, you know, 98, 99, 2000, going to all these kind of investor pitch events and things like that and um, working in and around the, the startup scene and working in technology and the um The business where I had my first main job was an entrepreneur-led business, not called a startup or a scale-up in those days, but was, you know, definitely a, a scale-up. And um, uh, I was there for a few years and I learned loads. I just love being part of that kind of, you know, breaking new ground technologically. It felt yeah. like this was early days of the internet, but also kind of being in that small business where, you know, you weren't siloed um, functionally in one area of the business. You got to see all of it. And I, I love that. And so my kind of passion for small business and startups was ignited. Um, I then started my own business, but it was more of a consulting business. So advising startups, yeah. but doing a lot of work around corporate innovation. So trying to help large companies partner with startups and innovators to get that innovation into into big companies um 
So was meeting investors and angels and um, amazing startups as I went along and I was, you know, kind of intrigued by it and got to a stage in my life where I had a little bit of money that I thought I could deploy as an angel investor. Um, not tons of money. So, um, you know, I went to an angel network because I wanted to kind of invest alongside other people, but also, you know, learn from them how that things worked on that side because there were mechanics around investing that I hadn't been exposed to. And um, I frankly found the networks a little bit lacking. Um, I was often the only woman in the room, uh, you know, and even after working in tech, it was a kind of very finance oriented, very, yeah. um, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't feel it didn't feel like home to me. I didn't find these people particularly collaborative or that the networks encouraged us to talk to each other. And we just thought, well, that's, that's crazy. And when I asked them about why they didn't have more women members as angel investors, they told me, oh, you know, women are too risk averse. They do due diligence to death and all these cliches. And it just mm -hmm. kind of pissed me off, I suppose. I thought, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, that's it. And then, you know, I also found this amazing statistic that said that in the UK, women owned half of the net wealth, or almost half of the net wealth, and that our proportion of the wealth <laughs> was going to exceed that of men by 2030 or something. And I was just, whoa, you know, actually, it's not the lack of money that is holding us back. It's something is something more cultural. It's something about the networks we're part of. Yeah, great. Yeah, and um, I think it's um, this activation of money is such a um, it's such a tempting thing to get into, right? And um, we found that when we started talking about angel investing a lot, and and it's so great because you get to you get to speak to so many interesting women and. Um, and it's actually pretty easy to convert people into it. <laughs> and um, and it's so much fun because it just like spirals out. Um, and it's such a beautiful process. And But coming to your point about women do too much DD, how do you DD within your group? Because we often hear about how do you, do you DD with other people? How, you know, how do you do the collaboration on DD? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think there's some truth to it, but I was kind of, um, present it as a virtue. Actually, women are thorough, they're considered, they're probably less likely on the whole, you know, huge generalization to just jump in than men are. Um, but, you know, we have got to be very, very sensitive of founders' time and very respect, respectful of their time. So, you know, by working as a club, a group of people, you know, we've got a process that we've educated people in. If we deal has a deal lead, so somebody who's very experienced to, to lead the deal through the process. So we can do that thorough due diligence, but without taking up an unreasonable amount of the founder's time. But, you know, the advantage to the founder is that they get to know the people that are investing in them. There's a, there's a, a bond established. There's that trust, isn't there? And I, you know, my experience, committed investors and founders committed to their investors, you know, They'll, they'll stay on the journey together for longer, will be more supportive of investors 
regardless of the up and downs, if we've got that good relationship from the get go, and that that's maintained. So early stage investing is it, it's so much about relationships and trust. Yeah. So relationship yeah. between us and the founder, but also between us as investors, because we're leaning on each other to do the bits of due diligence that we don't have time to do. And, and you know, we're trying to make the processes as efficient as possible while being thorough and not sucking up too much founder time because that's not helpful. Yeah, it's such a balancing act between sucking up founder times and having relationship. Do you have any hacks on how to um, walk that tightrope? Well, I think, um, um, you know, we spend a bit of time getting to know the founders before um, before they present to the group. So we definitely, you know, we manage their expectations carefully. We we tell them what, what they're getting into, what, what the expectations are. But I think the, you know, most of the companies that come through our screening and selection process and pitch to us will get investment and they will get a, um, a very decent ticket size. So all but one of the rounds we've done so far this year has been 150,000 or more. So, right. you know, we, <laughs> I, I think you've got to be credible and serious as an investor. And if you can command collectively a decent ticket size, then it's, it's worth the founder putting in the time. And then, you know, the more they put in up front, the better they'll understand those investors and my, how they might be able to help them in their business going forward. So, mm. you know, it is balancing the risk and the reward because I do hear from founders all the time that how much time they spend with investors and, you know, often that ends up being lost time because that investor was never going to be right from their business in the, in the first place. And, you know, unfortunately there are people who are just willing to take up your time and they're not very serious or they're too nervous about investing. Yeah. I think it's one of the advantages of going to groups that have got processes, they've got expectations both from founders and for their members. Yeah, yeah. And um, in terms of uh, your network or your network angels, I don't know how you call them, um, once you're invested in the company, do they still work with them or is it mainly your core team? Um, it's, it's mainly the angels. So everyone's making their own individual investment decision mm. and investing directly in the, in, in the business. So, you know, yes, Angel Academy, we stay in touch with the businesses. We want to support them through future rounds. Um, but mainly it's the investors themselves. And um, we're not prescriptive about how that's done because, you know, it's very much kind of based on so what, personal. what the company needs. Yes. So we don't, you know, we don't require a board seat or an observer position. But if we've got somebody in our network who's able and willing and the right fit for the business, then, of course, we'll support that. So, you know, we have got some investments where we've got a board seat. We've got others where we've got people working in advisory roles, sometimes even doing consulting work for the company. But it's only when there's that, you know, that special magic, isn't it? Because yeah, otherwise there's no point. No, exactly. And, you, you know, we tell all, in, all of our investors that, you know, even if you're just making an introduction or you're writing about this business on LinkedIn or social media or championing it, you know, that that's adding value. Don't expect to be 
you know, in daily contact with them or helping all the businesses in your portfolio. It will be, you know, as and when needed and what, what you can do. And how do you manage all the deal flow? I mean, because this is something that a lot of the angels um, or a lot of people setting out being angels and doing a really good job at going out there. It's like at some point, it is like, I don't know how to manage it. I don't know how to manage my deal flow. Um, yeah. So, no, no, it, it's a huge challenge. Even for, you know, we're a, we're a small team and being introduced to, you know, most of the messages I get from LinkedIn or from founders and things like that. So. Um, we've ended up putting an application form on our website and we've said that everybody comes through the same front door. So everyone needs to submit an application, even if, even if you know, even if you know one of us, because actually what we do very early on is share that information on the application form with our, um, with our lead investors, because we're mm. driven by their interests as well, not just, not just our preference. Yeah. So the idea is, you know, it's, It's transparent. I think one of the things that female founders struggle with often more than men is that they don't already have the networks, um, you know, introductions into VCs. They don't have friends from university that went into finance or built a startup. So their networks are different and maybe less helpful in this respect. So we want to make it, you know, as easy for somebody who knows nobody <laughs> To apply to yeah. us because you know they've potentially got the the best business haven't they yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so i think the warm introduction business that happens in vc is very counterproductive um yeah yeah it, it is it is i understand why a lot of vcs only invest in warm introductions because it's just not hand you can't handle it it's too much there's there's too much noise there's too many applications Yeah, and um, so I can understand um, how it happens, but that's this is why I think there is such a strong function for people who are specified on certain founder groups to to pre-screen and be more open to to look at things, um, and um, and kind of establish that first screen on whether something is okay is good for VC or not. No? There's so many businesses that aren't any. I don't have VC potential and um, and they need to be told as well rather than just having I, th I, th I think that's right that that the lack of feedback is something that founders always complain about nobody's you know because we we do you know we receive hundreds hundreds of applications from female founders every year um, you, you know we can be transparent up front about our investment criteria so they self-select you know don't waste time filling out our application form if you're yeah. if, right to us. We don't want to waste people's time. Um, they then go through to a, a screening. We do an internal kind of initial read and it's quick when it's an application form because you can, you can skim these quite quickly. Um, we do an internal screening process, which is um, then they're invited to a meeting with a few of our angels. And um, everyone who comes to one of those calls is offered individual feedback afterwards. Yeah. And that's the investment we're making. I think it's really easy, especially as a female founder, and especially if you're, you know, from minority ethnic as well, you know, to, to get a meeting with a VC just to sort of fill their tick boxes. Mm. Your associates have got to meet a certain number of companies, but you won't, you know, you'll have that meeting, but you won't be any the wiser afterwards when you never hear from them 
again, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. we want to create this virtuous circle where, you know, we're, we're speaking to all the companies who look like they're doing something relevant and interesting. Um, and if they don't get through the first time, we want to make sure that when they come back, <laughs> they, they will get through. So, we're, you know, we try and give some specific feedback on what they need to do to kind of impress our investors. And, and again, you know, it's about not letting people through to pitch who aren't likely to be successful because that's wasting their time as yeah. as ours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this is something that's um I don't know, something that haunts me is wasting counter time. Um and you sometimes can't prevent it. Yeah? And um and you do want to do right by everyone, but you can't. Yeah? When I when I started out and I didn't have so much to do, I was like, no, I give feedback to every single founder. And I try to, to give some value add, but it's not possible. And, um, and th this is something that I really, really struggled with um, when, when getting more attention and getting more deal flow. Is, is I felt just terrible all the time. Yeah. But no, I no, had to get over it. Yeah, it is. It is, it's a brutal process, but, you know, I, I, am, I, I, I feel your pain. We, we were there and, you know, it just feels wrong, doesn't it, not to close the conversation with these people. So we, we do it. You know, we, I think we're screening about 100, we have a you know, screening call about 120 businesses each year. So they're the, they're the ones that have gone through yeah. the first stage of the funnel and every single one of them is offered a feedback call. And then, you know, 20 minutes, you can be quite helpful, can't you? Uh, yeah. And, you know, sometimes they don't want to hear what we've got to say or they argue, but a lot of the times they say, oh, that's so useful to know. Nobody's ever said that before. Thank you so much. And, you know, a lot of them will come back again and be successful the, the next time. So, yeah, that's um, good. Yeah. But that's know. really special to do feedback calls after every call. We do so often it's just an email. Um, I think um, so it's my co-founder that's brilliant at this and he does it and he actually finds it easier on a call than writing an email it's his particular preference and um, yeah yeah you're right because you easily spend 20 minutes writing a decent email so right. um, you know Calendly and it's you know you can you can automate quite a lot of it but um, I may take that up that's a really good idea Mm. <laughs> um, that's a really, really good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Um, so from all your, um, because you also say you do a lot of educational work and um, workshops, etc. What are sort of your top, top best-selling workshops? So the ones that you really know, this is something that's so useful for everyone. And um, um, yeah, do you have any? Well, something that we've done for quite a few years now is an in-person. In workshop and it's a it's a three hour session and we work through a case study so we pretend you know there's a um somebody comes and pitched to us and we we sort of do an accelerated due diligence process and discuss it and try and get people to you know then um they see how the whole journey how the whole journey works and um really get a feel for it and it helps kind of new people get to know other people and you know, people sort of say, oh, gosh, you're, you know, no cowboys here. Everyone's very serious and blah, blah, blah. It makes me feel a lot more comfortable. And I'm, you know, glad to be kind of with people who kind of 
pushing in the same direction as me. So yeah. um, that's good. And then we do loads of stuff on um, uh, uh, that we do on Zoom as well. Some of the more kind of mechanistic stuff. So startup deal terms, um, uh, the, the, the talking about the tax breaks. Then there are um, you know EIMI. How do you set up share option schemes? So all the things that you know not just investors but founders need to know. Um, and that, you know, actually they're quite dry subjects, but a lot of repetition, it finally, <laughs> it does start to sink in and um, it saves a lot of time if um, people kind of understand the, the basics, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah cool. And on the DD, um, do you think that um, the DD that you guys are doing, because I think that's so interesting always with these angel networks, um, is um, is like this this joint DD element, and I think it's actually often just such a good DD. Um, and um, so, do you collaborate? Um, so you collaborate with the angels in the network, but yeah. do you also collaborate them with external resources. And because we always get asked about kind of how do I do a good DD? So, can you give um, us a, a rundown of your best practice in DD? Maybe okay. Well, we resource it internally. Um, the bulk of the due diligence is done internally. You know, if there's a, a co-investor we know, we'll definitely tap into them and, um, you know, see what they've written if um, if, if they're willing to share it. Um, and, um, you know, within our... In your experience, do people share it? Because I've, I've heard that a lot of people don't even want to ask because they're like, oh, they won't share it. And you know what? I don't think... We don't often see other people's due diligence because I don't think many people... If they do, they don't document it. So we produce a deal memo for every every deal. So we have got something we can share with other people. And if we think it will help them get to a quicker decision and save the founder time, then we're happy to we're happy to share it. But that's so helpful. That's such a helpful thing. And then, you know, our our, our network, we you know, it's a, it's a smaller group of active investors, but within within the wider network, you know, we can source expertise on, you know, we've got so many friends now, we've been going for so long. So any any sector, if we need some sector-specific advice, if we need some IP advice, we've got IP lawyers, we've uh, technology, we've got, you know, people who've been CTOs and companies who can have a look at the tech stack if that kind of, I mean, yeah. that isn't what we usually do, but, you know, if that suddenly becomes, we've got some concerns about that. So... You know, there are people out there that are willing to lend their time. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of help out there if you ask. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 you know that. I think everyone wants to, everyone wants to see founders succeed, don't they? Yeah. You know, these yeah. are the these are the people who are creating the the jobs and the wealth of the future. And I think it's in all of our interests that they succeed. So people really like it. People really like our mission around female founders because clearly something's going on in the wider investor in environment yeah. attracting so little money. Um, so, yeah. I, I think even like thinking about the future, I think right now there are so many cool companies addressing so many really critical issues and um, it's not just about selling something cheaply on the internet anymore. No, no, no. I, you know, when I, yeah, when I first started in tech, it was all just e-commerce, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and now it's kind of, wow, some really amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, amazing stuff, but also complex, more complex to fund. Yes, more complex to fund. But, you know, we've got different and more specialized pools of capital now as well. So, yeah. um, you know, it, the whole ecosystem has grown and grown in sophistication and specialization as well. So, yeah. yeah and I think that's actually really good advice also for, for, um, uh, for angels. If you are really interested in the sector, try to get to know the relevant investors in that sector because there want to be in Germany or in the UK like one or about three specialist funds and that's just the best way to get the DD done rolling if you can forward to specialist fund because they will have seen it and have an opinion or they will be really grateful to share an opinion if it's if you're if it's coming from a source that they trust yeah exactly and I think you know as an angel investor don't Don't avoid doing specialist investments because you don't think you understand. Actually, with the group, the group can help you understand. Yeah. It's important for us to keep learning, um, you know, under, start understanding new areas, but also to diversify our portfolio because yeah. that's when we'll get decent returns. So Yes, yes, absolutely. I would, we're investing so early, I would caution against being too specialist. <laughs> Do you advise your angels that you work with on a certain number of investments, um, how to think about how much to allocate into angel investments or, um, yeah? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no, um, there's no magic formula, as you well know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we do tell people it's, it's a long journey. You've got to be in it for the long haul. This has got to be money that you're prepared to lose some of it. The mm. tax breaks kind of mitigate quite a lot of the risk, but some of it might go or the stuff that does well, it's likely to be tied up for a long time before you see any returns. So, um, you know, you do need to be confident that you're not going to call on that money. So it's for a relatively small amount of your, your investable assets. Yeah. Come out of the, you know, what you're saving to buy a house or your pension. It's it's your discretionary investment. So, um, yes. Uh, do you advise so, on a certain number of investments to make? Well, it's portfolio size. The more, the better, really, isn't yeah. it? Because you know, it's about you. You get better with every deal you do, even if you're part of a brilliant network. You know, you learn so much more each each time. Um, I mean, I've personally got 20 investments yeah. in my portfolio. You know, it's taken me 10 years to <laughs> to get there. Um, you know, I, I say, you know, you need to do one or two or three per year and just keep yes, and going yeah. and, you know, have enough money to do follow-ons, especially in the ones that are doing well. Um But yeah, I mean, all the statistics show that the bigger your portfolio, the better your chance of returns. And I think the magic number is around 20, isn't it now? When I first started... I, think, I always say the minimum is 15, I think. Right. Um, um, but go higher. Um, I think in, in, in terms of like portfolio theory, the magic number, especially if you do early and you can't do so much allocation on the... On the outliers, it's somewhere between 30 and 40, but um, that's obviously optimized. So I think I would say like, yeah, you need to have a plan, even if it's over the next 10 years, to allocate enough money so you can do a significant amount north of 50. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, so it doesn't have, but people think, oh, I have to do it all in three years, which is obviously not. No, good. no, no, no. You can take your time. It's not, yeah. it's not a cheap hobby, but it is <laughs> one of the most rewarding intellectually yeah. in terms of the people you meet, personal profile. Um, you know, it's a fantastic, yeah. fantastic thing to do. Yeah. So we like to close off with a question about what you would wish for the future, especially like from things that you've learned from um, from your activity as an angel. What's your big wish for the future? Um, I, I would love the future us not to have to talk about gender because, yes. uh, um, you know, it was just a given that women angels were investing as much as men and women were starting companies and companies in in kind of technology and science areas as often as men and being as successful so that you know we will get there but at the moment it seems a long a long way off and it is a long way yeah. so please please we need more women to commit to angel investing we know you're out there we know you've got amazing experience you've you've got smart money that can really help change the, the landscape for other women. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Here, here to that. Emp empowering yourself and others at the same yes. time. I think that's what angels do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what makes it so beautiful. And it's something that I think it really scales. It scales in the way that if you do make one investment and you tell other people about it, that founder is hopefully going to fund other um, other founders in the future employ future founders. It's just, it feels kind of really small what you do, but it's really big. And do it with a group. I think, you know, if you're yeah. new to this, even if you've worked in a startup, you know, no one person knows everything, has time to do everything. Um, there's real, you know, not just safety, but more enjoyment, more learning in numbers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We always say that, yeah, find your gang. Exactly. Uh, for me personally, um, I really needed my gang because I was too slow at making decisions. Yeah, I, I think as 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 women, it's such a normal thing to do as well. You want your decisions validated by yeah. other people, and, yeah. and you know it's it's it, it's it's lovely when that happens. And you know it's so true that the um, sum is you know the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yes, yes, um, yes. You know, when, when it works, it's, um, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, thank you, Sarah, for your time. Well, thank um, you. Thank you most of all for your commitment for the last, where are we now, 22? Um, eight years. That's really amazing. And you're really one of the sort of spearheads. And the conversation has changed in that time yes. so much. You know, and so I sort of told people what I was doing, they're going, what? what? You're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, remember when we started angel investing, we got a whole page of the like equivalent of the FT in Germany, just because we're three women doing angel investment, and that was worth a whole page in the newspaper. Like, yeah, okay, there's something really wrong here, and that was for us the beginning of a very long journey. Oh, good for you. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I look okay. forward to staying in touch. Yes. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye.